Welcome to Postcolonial Space. I'm Masood Raja. And today I'll briefly talk about one question that a subscriber had posed to my series on pedagogy of the oppressed. And the question was, who is the oppressor in the pedagogy of the oppressed? That's a really interesting question. But sadly, it also asks for a very oversimplified answer, which I am in no position to give. Because here as we understand the question of the oppressor that Freire addresses in the book is to think about what kind of a word does Freire posit. Because in order to give us a didactic remedy to change the word, he first has to posit a word, right? That word, in his own words, is dichotomous. It has a binaristic structure. There is an oppressor group, and there is a constituency that is oppressed. Now, that is at the highest level of abstraction, right? There is no individual oppressor group that we name and an oppressed group, but this is at a higher level of abstraction. It's not much different from Marx, where he also posits an agonistic view of history where there is always class interest involved and the history is the history of class struggle between the dominant classes and the working classes. Now what makes Freire's argument even more nuanced is that he's not just relying on the Marxist thought, it's also infused with Eric Fromm's thought. Right? and Eric Fromm's study of human psychology. Right? Then his work is also informed by other theorists who have talked about how human consciousness works. So the word that he posits from the very start, remember he talks about the word suffering from narration sickness, because there are some who tell the story and there are some who passively have to listen to it. Right? The project of the book, of course, is to create a world in which full humanization is possible by everyone else. That idea of full humanization, of course, comes from Eric Fromm, but also relies heavily on third force psychology and this idea that we, under the given ideal conditions, we can self-actualize, right? Now, the way Freire is articulating that is through a certain kind of didactics, which involves praxis and contemplation, right? Contemplation and action constitutes a praxis. That praxis has to be geared towards full liberation of human beings. Now, this becomes even more clear as you read Chapter 3, which we just started discussing, because in Chapter 3, what he's discussing is the question of developing a dialogical mode of education but then he explains what a dialogue is. But then towards the middle of the chapter, he goes on to discuss the concept of a thematic universe. What he means by that is that in order to create effective pedagogy, we need to first understand what kind of a thematic universe is it in which people that we are trying to work with exist. And within that thematic universe, then there will be a dominant order, and there will be an order who is either under their direct control or under their indirect control. And the purpose of education is to understand the larger thematic universe, which he calls the universe 
of domination, right? That's the model that he picks up. And against that, what he wants to mobilize is an education geared towards liberation. So my point is that there is no simple way of designating an oppressor group in Freire. And it's crucial to understand that in order to argue for the kind of problem-posing education that he is theorizing here, he has to posit a word. And that word, according to Freire, with a Marxian lineage, is agonistic. It has a dominant constituency and it has an oppressed constituency. And then within given particular national, international thematic universes, it will change. So if you wanted to look at it from a feminist perspective, on a larger scale, patriarchy is the dominant constituency, the oppressor group, and women would be the group that would be op the oppressed. But then within given situations of cultures, the nature of patriarchy will shift. From amongst the women, though, you'll find out not all women are oppressed. So these are the things that we have to keep in mind. So please keep in mind that Freire's style of writing is pretty similar to that of Marx. And about Marx, as David Harvey has so wonderfully taught us, Marx first gives his main ideas as, you know, as simple statements, right, commodity, and as something that has already arrived and completely packaged. And then he builds the scaffolding to explain it gives us more and more variables. So similarly, and if you have read Capital Volume 1 um, preface to uh, the third edition, Marx basically explains his process. He says, you know, I have inverted the Hegelian pyramid. I start with the basic assumption that the reality in which we live exists and that that's what we need to start from, right? So exactly, almost in the same way, Freire first lays out what he thinks of the world. From the very start of the book, the project is lay, laid out very simply. Education is beset with the problem of narration. Narration involves someone standing up, delivering knowledge to passive recipients, and that the world in which we exist has a dominant group, has a group of oppressors, and a group of oppressed, and the oppressed, by and large, sometimes don't even know about their oppression, but they see the world from the point of view of the oppressors. That's ideology at play that comes from Marx, right? The project of pedagogy of the oppressed is to develop a mode of didactics, a praxis of teaching that encourages us and our students to learn about the world, because unless they learn about it, they cannot change it and then to transform it into a kind of world where there is no oppressor and no oppressed and where everyone can realize their full potential and full humanity. That's the project of the book, right? Stated very early. So to conclude, who is the oppressor in Paulo Freire's pedagogy of the oppressed? There is no single oppressor. It's an abstract concept, but it is a group or a constituency that controls the mode of production at any given place and either forces and coerces or ideologically 
forces a, a group of people to live their lives or think the world the way the dominant group does. That's a relationship of oppression. So depending on what you're studying, which thematic universe you're studying, which contextual location of human subjectivities you are studying, the nature of the oppressor-oppressed relationship will shift, but the dichotomy, you will still be able to find it, that binaristic relationship. In the project of a critical pedagogy or a problem-posing education is to lay bare the facade, right, and show us the true working of any given system, and then within that, create the possibilities of liberating ourselves, liberating our students from the impact of a dominant order, and if we go by Freire, also creating, creating the possibilities that the oppressors themselves can also free themselves from the destructive system that they have internalized and have been perpetuating. So that's my short answer to the question about who is the oppressor in pedagogy of the oppressed. I hope it helps you somewhat. If it does, let me know in the comments. If you have any more questions, I'll be very happy to take them and then maybe respond to them and think about them at least. That is all. Thank you so much. You all take care of each other. And from me to you, as always, peace and love.